On this week's Big Tech Show, when will cars safely drive themselves on our streets? And who in Ireland is providing the technology to help them do that? We talk to one of the country's biggest automotive autonomy entrepreneurs. I have BMW Drive Assist in my own vehicle and it is much, much safer because we are all prone to distraction, especially when we're on the motorway from Limerick to Dublin, for example. We've all been there where you actually forgot a whole section of the road. So I would say if you take it from a safety perspective and it does allow you to kind of relax. The Big Tech Show, available on all podcast platforms. On the latest episode of Real Health with me, Carl Henry, I'm delighted to be joined by international best-selling author Heman Sunim, telling us what to do when things don't go your way. When we are, you know, very young and have a first love and the first love did not work out, we feel as though this is the end of the world. However, we learn that is not the case. We move on. We find some other people. We begin to see that uh, when things don't go your way, uh, maybe it's not the end. As ever, we're available on all podcast platforms. Remember, you can stay up to date on the latest news with the Irish Independent WhatsApp channel. I assumed that they were careful executives, that they would do their jobs and they would bring it to the audit and risk, and they didn't. I trusted that, so yes, I do feel betrayed. In your position as director of HR, were you afraid to question D Forbes? I wasn't afraid of D Forbes. You weren't afraid of her. You weren't afraid to question her. You knew what she was doing was wrong and you did not do your job. We don't have here with us Inc. D Forbes, Charlene O'Leary, Rita O'Keefe, Jim Jennings, Richard Collins. But that everyone couldn't attend or chose not to attend is simply not good enough. It was another display of frustration, annoyance and bewilderment as TDs and senators gathered yet again to hear the latest instalment of the RTE scandal. From Toy Show the Musical to the very contentious redundancy payouts, many questions were asked, and amazingly, some were even answered. And in terms of the voluntary exit package, what was the cost to RTE? Um, I can't say that. That's... that's uh, confidential. Now you're under privilege mm-hmm. here mm-hmm. and it's in the public interest. And there is a legal threat over this. I agree with you, transparency is important. I agree with you, it's important in this case. Breeder O'Keefe was paid 450,000 euros slip. Can you repeat that? 450,000 euros. I'm Kevin Doyle and today on this bonus Indo Daily, I'm joined in studio by Fiona Sheehan, Ireland editor with the Irish Independent, to discuss the fallout from the latest RTE appearance at the Oireachtas Media Committee and to see where it's all going to go next. Fionan, we thought there couldn't be any more bombshells. We thought we had heard it all from Ryan Tuberty payments, Renault deals, agents. Nobody seemed to know what was going on with musicals. And then, Brito O'Keefe. Yes, so the issue here is, while some of those issues are historic, this is actually a current ongoing I- issue uh, around Brito O'Keefe. So Brito O'Keefe was the former chief financial officer of RTE. And she actually popped up in an Oireachtas committee hearing last year. The TDs were delighted with her. She was formerly in the organization. She seemed to be shedding lots of light uh, on issues that had, had happened uh, there in the past. And then at the end of her hearing, she was chatting away to the, the Fianna Gael Senator Martin Conway. And he was asking, why did you leave? And she said, oh, I was there for 18 years. I just wanted a change. I left under a voluntary exit package. Boom. 
things have just exploded since then. This was news to other staff members in RTE, to her own colleagues on the management team, certainly the board and the public at large. Nobody knew about this. So RTE had to commission an investigation and that investigation uh, was conducted uh, and completed in about in the last month and published. Before you go on to that, Fiona, it's probably worth explaining to people why that's a kind of a, a mic drop or more so a jaw drop moment because... And a lot of places, including ourselves in the media industry, know a lot more about how redundancies work uh, at the moment than we'd like. Basically, if you get an exit package of the sort that was on offer in RTE, there is meant to be one cost savings and two, the role rather than the person is made redundant. But as we all know, because of the famous Richard Collins appearance, where he cut the then CFO, couldn't remember his salary, she was replaced. So there wasn't really any cost savings. Therefore, there was no redundancy. And yet she got some sort of a payoff. Yeah. So this is the issue that, that arose out of that report is that there was a problem now that basically there are revenue implications because when a redundancy doesn't match specific criteria, as you've outlined, it's not in the, the part of the payments are not entitled to tax relief. So that has now gone to revenue to, to determine uh, what's the situation there. What RTE management were coming under questioning yesterday was how much is this? How much are we talking about here? How much did she get? There were ballpark figures knocking around there based on she was on a salary of 200 grand. She was there 18 years, but nobody knew specifically. And Kevin Mackers, the director general, said, listen, that's confidential. There are legal issues arising. And he was basically told, listen, this is in the public interest. And then he came out with, 450,000 euros and he was asked to repeat the question and everybody's jaws were on the floor. You could hear someone, I don't know who it was, but you could hear someone going, Jesus, yeah, in the background of the was, mics. It was pretty much gasps and that's what he had to, to repeat uh, the figure. So, so it is a substantially massive figure, probably way in excess of what anybody else thought. The knock-on implication then also is that, okay, there's now a tax bill arising out of this. Who's going to have to pay the tax? RTE. And quickly explain to me, you say staff didn't know about this. Kevin Backhurst, uh, obviously new in the job, well, relatively new at this point, seemed very annoyed about it and put it out there, even though he basically said he shouldn't be. So who did know about this? And that's key to this. So this dates back to the summer of 2017. And Breed O'Keefe, the then chief financial officer, and Dee Forbes, the then director general, in that summer say, well, listen, I want to go under a redundancy scheme. Okay, we'll chat about it later. They come back in the first week weekend of September. So that's the week where Galway beat Waterford in the other and the final, just put that in context uh, for people. And basically, D agrees uh, verbally that Brito will leave under a voluntary exit package. The head of human resources, Emer Cusack, is then told the following month, is going to be leaving under a voluntary redundancy package. She says, well, where are the savings going to arise from here? And D Forbes says, there will be savings. That's it. Moving on. Over the course of the, the following two years, Breed's departure gets kicked on and on and on for, for various reasons within the organization. Emer Cusack issues her with a letter. And this is a legally binding contract basically saying, your voluntary redundancy package request has been accepted. This is the amount of money it's, it's for. And it has been approved by the executive board of RTE. So everything is in line there. Breed O'Keefe signs that, sends it back. So there's a legally binding contract in place. In the meantime, she has discussions with Emer Cusack, the head of HR, about succession planning, about who's going to replace her. Uh, it's announced to the executive board in RTE, Breed will be leaving and we're going to be doing a recruitment process. 
Frida ultimately leaves in April of 2020 and her successor is in place who has been who has been hired from outside the organization Richard Collins so her role has been replaced and there isn't a, a, a saving what we then learn last summer is that the other members of the executive management team didn't know about this they were never told they never approved of it despite the fact that one of the rules of the redundancy program was it had to be approved by the executive management team. And that's where the questions to Emer Cusack were arising yesterday. Emer Cusack was there. She tried to put her best foot forward. She was asked at one point, were you afraid of D Forbes? Why did you do it? She said she wasn't, but that she trusted D Forbes, which I have to ask you about the question on D Forbes is central to so much of what we've seen uh, since this scandal broke last June around Ryan Tuberty, around payments, around barter accounts, all this stuff comes back to D Forbes, or at least the people who are talking keep piling the blame, rightly or wrongly, on D Forbes because we have never heard from her in any substantial way. Are TDs and senators starting to lose patience with the idea that she is on this prolonged sick leave, essentially, from, from public scrutiny? They're Essentially, they're questioning it now because ultimately uh, she, there is correspondence from her solicitor uh, that is is saying that that she is unwell. She issued a statement last summer that said she had been treated unfairly. She was resigning at that point. She was gone two weeks later anyway. Her, her term in office had, had run out. Uh, and that she felt that this was causing uh, a lot of distress for her and having an impact on, on her health uh, and well-being. So what we've been told since then is that Steve Forbes has been unavailable for legal teams reasons, not just to the Oireachtas committees, but also to the various investigations that have that have gone on by solicitors and accountancy firms uh, in 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 the, the background. So she hasn't been available to clarify the points she hasn't that have been made. Any of the private behind the scenes investigations by the consultants who are making a fortune off this, she hasn't appeared at the Oireachtas committee. Neve Smith, the chair of the media committee yesterday, floated the idea that they might look at compelability. How would that work, or could it work, Fionan? If someone says they are sick and if they have the doctor's notes to stand over that, does compelability not fall away? If someone's not well enough to appear, how do you overcome that? Yeah, you'd effectively been going down the high court to get an order for a person to appear before a, a committee. So rarely, rarely done. Very often the threat of it is enough to to force somebody before it. And in that case, the Forbes legal team could say, well, look, this this woman is ill. She's not able to appear. She's not able to spend time preparing. She doesn't have availability of relevant documentation uh, and so on and so forth. It would be detrimental to her health and well-being if she was to appear. The Oireachtas in general has got a big problem here and that problem is called the All-Star Dáil Public Accounts Committee of 10 years ago, which basically uh, called a, a chief executive of the rehab organization at the time, Angela Kearns, before it. And she challenged him in the courts. And it was found by the Supreme Court, the highest court in the land, that her constitutional rights were breached, that the Oireachtas had broken the law in the manner in which she was treated. She has been apologized to. She's still going through the courts and trying to seek justice here. And the problem is that the Oireachtas, the administrative and legal side of the Oireachtas, are extremely nervous ever since about the manner in which Oireachtas committees conduct themselves nervous, and the calling of witnesses. Nervous, so much so that one of the legacies of Angela Kearns is the toilet break at Oireachtas committees now, where there is always a comfort break every two or three hours. Yeah, and you've seen this with, she with, with Neve Smith, who's the chair of the, the Oireachtas 
Oireachtas Media Committee. She's been very patient with with mem- with, with uh, people who've appeared before them. She's made sure that they've had every opportunity to answer questions. She's gone to them at the end and said, are, are you happy that you've put everything out there now and you've answered she's everything you want? Very she's been I very good She's been very fair. She's, she's, some of her members have, have strayed uh, at, at, on different occasions, but, but the chair has been seen uh, to, to, to be quite generous in terms of, of her treatment uh, of the witness to date. Another missing prince from this whole scenario who we now know also got uh, an exit package of some description when he resigned from RTE last year. Rory Coveney, who was director of strategy, who's getting the blame for the Toy Show musical debacle, who is the brother of a cabinet minister. What's the story? Yeah, so Rory Coveney, I mean, he had put himself at the at the centre of this issue, as was last uh, last summer, in that he said, well, yeah, he was over Toy Show, the, the musical. When he was initially asked about it, he said he couldn't give uh, details on it because of for commercial considerations. Came back a week later with basically another bombshell that it had lost 2.2 million uh, and that the, the ticket sales were nowhere near where they should have been and there was a massive financial exposure uh, as a result. He resigned a couple of days later. Now, we were told at that time that even though he had resigned, that there was some form of, of exit package uh, for them. It wasn't indicated whether that was substantial or whether that was just for uh, a, a, a period of leave or, or something uh, like that. Again, Kevin Backhurst asked about this yesterday. The Director General, was there an exit package for Rory Coveney? He said, yes, there was, but he said he couldn't divulge that. Uh, likewise, questions about Richard Collins. He said, he said he couldn't answer those. So the question now arising is, Rory Coveney, how much was he paid? Because ultimately, the point being made, in the private sector, if you leave an organization, you say you are resigning, uh, you don't get an exit package. If you leave RTE, you seem to do get an exit package if you're at a particular executive level. Kevin Backer's argument seemed to be that he needed a bit of a clear out. And to encourage a clear out, sometimes you have to do a deal. And that is just the reality of doing business. Now, and I think a lot of people in business would appreciate that approach. Of course, this is license fees, taxpayers' money, which makes it different, of course. but. Why could he reveal Rita O'Keefe's money, but not Rory Coveney's? I don't understand that. Yeah, he says there are legal considerations here. And obviously there are around, you know, if you've signed a contract uh, with somebody and there's, there's data protection and privacy uh, and, and and so on uh, at play. But yeah, there's, there's, he has opened the door now because he did reveal the Rita O'Keefe uh, issue because he was told this was a matter that's in the public interest. And on the basis that you have an entire investigation that has been conducted uh, into her exit package, you'd say, well, look, there is substantial uh, public interest here. He can perhaps turn around and say, well, listen, th- these other exit packages weren't of such a, a significant level. That's a, a difficult one to explain, really. Okay, Fiona, we thought this had or was running out of steam. Ryan Tuberty is yesterday's man. He's gone to London. That part of the scandal, the book is closed. But it seems like it was, in many ways, the tip of the iceberg. Where is this all going now? When are the government going to make a decision on the future funding of RTE? And will more heads roll? Yeah, so this week alone, if a letter is arriving in your door saying your licence fee is up and you need to pay 160 quid for the coming year, you'd be entitled to look at it and go, hmm, will I really? I mean, look, there's a, a legal and moral obligation on you to do so and to support public sector I would like to declare that I have broadcast. paid mine. Yes, and I, I've paid mine too. It's not over any, any time. Goody two-shoes, time but soon. the principle stands. But people who are now receiving it will, will still be hearing that 
there's a significant number of people not paying their, their TV license. There are now further revelations coming out of RTE. Uh, it seems one law for, for those at the top end, one, one law for those at, at the bottom. And also within the Dáil, we are being told a decision will be taken quite soon on the future of the, of the licence fee. The clear indication from within government is that it will be at least substantially restructured, if not abolished. And you have the main opposition party who are still tipped to form the next government saying that they'll get rid of it altogether. It'll be replaced by uh, direct exchequer funding and that there will be an amnesty for people who do not pay their their TV license, that you won't face prosecution. So when you're listening to all but that... no refund for no, me and no, you No pay. refund, and also no refund for people who do pay it now. So as a result of all that, you'd have to say, you, 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 you haven't really reached the bottom of the barrel here in terms of where uh, RTE is going and its, its finances, it, it could be faced yet another financial hit. Now, it's quite possible that the RT management have basically factored that in at this stage. They're not throwing anybody else under the bus. There's no more, going to be no more resignations at our executive uh, or board level where there are also substantial questions uh, to, to, to be answered. And that basically they're plowing on and saying, listen, all these events are in the past. We've good systems in place now where, where we won't repeat what was there in the future and we need to move on. The licence fee pair may think differently. And this was a point made several times at the Oireachtas Committee yesterday that this sticks in the craw for the public, that the public aren't seeing that this level uh, of, of accountability and that the, the public are not satisfied with the answers that are coming back. Okay, Fiona Sheehan, I feel we shall do this dance once more at least. I'm Kevin Doyle and this bonus episode of the Indo Daily was produced by Ian Doyle and Mary Carroll, researched by Dave Hanratty with sound by John Smith. The archive clips were from RTE News, Virgin Media News, Aroctus TV and the Irish Independent. If you enjoyed the Indo Daily, don't forget to follow the podcast and leave us a review. This week on Crime World... There was a Republican police from 1920. I mean, the IRA was effectively trying to run an underground government. And actually, there was a crime wave. 1919, 1920, there's a wave of bank robberies, post office robberies, robberies of individuals, robberies of pubs in Dublin and in rural areas as well. So the IRA tried to actually clamp down on that. They, on occasion, solving bank robberies and giving the money back to the banks. Now, I'm Nicola Talent, and you can listen to my podcast, Crime World, wherever you get your podcasts.